Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Better Watch Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick. And I'm Celeste. And we just want to share our love of everything horror. And true crime. Can't forget about that true crime, can we? Never. And we just really want to say thank you for the first episode and everyone listening, really. Yeah, everyone's feedback was amazing. And to hear how much people loved something that we enjoy just doing by ourselves at home, it was really nice. It's crazy. We got listeners from America, Germany and... The Philippines. In the Philippines. Yeah, which was very surprising. I really thought it'd just be us, like all our friends and family. Yeah. And that's all right. How about we get into the movie that we're (laughs) going to talk about today? Let's do it. Just letting you know, if you hear any weird noises, we have our dog Lotus in with us, our unofficial mascot (laughs) of the podcast. Yeah, so if you hear any banging or squeaky toy noises, just... Just ignore it. So we're focusing on the movie Hereditary. It was written and directed by Ari Aster and it's his feature film debut. It was released in 2018 and first premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. And the film was originally written as a family drama, but when Aster was writing the script for it, he thought that it would be better with the horror slash thriller vibes and themes in it. I'm not complaining at all, really. Like, this works well as a horror. Yeah, it's just so creative. Oh, very. And to think it's his feature film debut, like, just blows my mind. Yeah, but amazing a, first movie. He had a lot of short films out, and I know that's how A24, who... Produced it. Yeah, released this film worldwide. They That's how they found out who he was. Yeah, And so in this movie, we follow uh, a family of four. Um, So we have Annie, who's played by Tony Collette. We have Peter, who's played by Alex Wolfe. We have Charlie, who's played by Millie Shapiro. And it's her acting debut. Um, And it's her her only movie role so far, hopefully. (laughs) And we have Stephen, played by Gabriel And you can't really hate any of the characters in this movie. Yeah, they all just work so well together as a dysfunctional family. (laughs) Yeah, and it just blows my mind, really. Like, I... I recommend this movie to anyone who hasn't watched it. Yeah, and it's not really such like a scary horror film. Like, it just makes you think. Oh, you'll be thinking about it even after the end credits roll. Yeah, so it's a good one to ease yourself into the the genre. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Oh, what do you mean? It's a bit disturbing. Yeah. But like it's, it's a not bit rough for a first horror film. There's no monsters. There's not a whole lot of gore. Yeah, but it's very culty. So if you're into that, like me, maybe <laughs> it'd be a great first horror movie to get you into. But as always, if you have not seen this, please do yourself a favor, turn this off because we're gonna spoil everything. Yeah, and you wanna you wanna experience it for yourself firsthand. Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. We could have made a drinking game from how many times we said, yeah, and 100% in our first episode. Yeah. Just our little own oh, catchphrases. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. So how about we get into this movie? Let's get into it, darling. So we start the movie off with a death notice of Ellen Lee, who's Annie's mother. Yeah, and so a death notice is different from an obituary where it just sort of notifies people that someone's passed away and this is um, where the funeral service will be held and things like that, whereas an obituary goes more in-depth into their life and their past and who they've left behind and things like that. Yeah, and the first official shot we get of this movie is focused on the treehouse in the family's backyard, which 
is iconic in this movie. Like, yeah. It is pivotal. Yeah. And the first, which I find really cool, the transition into the model of their house and what we find out is Peter's room and it transitions into like what Annie has painted to we meet Peter and Stephen for the first time. Yeah. The transition is just so smooth. Yeah. Oh, cinematography, editing in this movie. Amazing. I, yeah, can't think of it. There's nothing wrong. Nothing ever. wrong at all. Perfect. So... As I was saying, this is where we first meet Steve and Peter and Steve's waking up Peter to get him ready for the funeral and asks him if he knows where his sister Charlie is. Yeah, and so they end up finding her um, in the treehouse. She'd slept there the night and Stephen, being the uh, usual dad, scolds her and says, you know, do you know how cold it was last night? This is how you'd get pneumonia. And Charlie, being the weird little child that she is, just goes... Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) I feel like this is where you think, oh, yeah, Charlie's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, there's just something off, but, you know, it's fine. And I hope everyone loves a tongue click because you're going to hear it throughout the whole film. Yeah, we we think it might be her coping mechanism or something that just comforts her, but it's very creepy. So then we cut to Annie giving the eulogy at her mother's funeral with Charlie drawing in a little notebook, clicking her tongue. Her dad stops her and we also see Charlie looking at her grandmother in the casket, which then pans to... This creepy looking blonde dude who's just smiling at her. Yeah, and it freaks her out, so she just walks away. And we also see this weird symbol on the grandmother's uh, necklace. Yeah, so, you know, it, it just makes you think, like, does that mean something if they've, you know, focused on it? And there's also a random lady that rubs something on the dead grandmother's, like, lips or something. I don't yeah. know what it was, but... yeah. It was weird. So then we cut to them coming back to their house. Annie asked Steve, like, should I feel weird? I don't really feel sad for my mother's death. Like, I'm not upset. Yeah, and so you kind of get the understanding that they didn't have the best relationship and Annie feels almost a bit guilty that she's not as sad as she thinks that she should be, but she's kind of glad that she's not around anymore. So, yeah, and Stephen's just being a good partner at this point and, you know validates her feelings and says you know what as long as we keep the kids okay that's all that matters yeah and this is when peter is chilling in his room and steve comes to check on him to see if he's all right which is just the usual father-son chat it doesn't really get weird until annie goes to check on charlie and this is where charlie expresses how ellen wanted charlie to be a boy yeah and annie just sort of says oh you know when i was growing up i was a tomboy too it's fine and just sort of brushes her off but you can still see that charlie's a bit upset yeah she's very upset and she asks her like who's gonna take care of me when you die yeah which is a really weird thing for a kid to be thinking about at 13 12 13 i think she is i think she's 13. Yeah. I think we find out later. So this is where Anne clicks through a box of her mum's things in her workshop and she opens up a book to have a note that reads, my darling, dear, beautiful Annie, forgive me all the things I could not tell you. Please don't hate me and try not to despair your losses. You will see in the end that they were worth it. Our sacrifice will pound next to the rewards. Love, mummy. Yeah, so it's kind of odd that, you know, Ellen had all these sort of, she had dementia and things like that, so it's weird that she had pre-planned this note for Annie to find after she'd already passed away. Yeah, and this is where we see our first creepy scene in this movie where Annie has turned off the lights and she's just staring at this random lady. I don't know if it's her mum. I think it's her mum. The movie's very dark, so you 
cannot really see who it is or who it isn't, but there's just this random weird lady just staring back at her. She flicks back on the light, gone. Yeah, but that's why I think it's her mum because it's like the ghosty spirit of her mum just standing there because if it was just some random lady just broken into their house like where did she go when the lights came on yeah and this is where we also see like going back to when annie was talking to charlie annie expressed to charlie that her mother wouldn't let her breastfeed charlie at all yeah and so weird oh sorry shouldn't be cutting you off (laughs) i apologize uh this is where we see like a dollhouse like model of annie breastfeeding charlie with ellen on just the side with Popping her tit out. Yeah. Offering her boob. Offering to breastfeed Charlie. Yeah. So that's a bit weird. And you, um, we find out that that's actually Annie's job. She does commissions for an art gallery to make models of like hospitals and kindergartens and things like that. Yeah. And now we cut to Charlie at school messing around with a sculpture she's trying to make teacher catches her and is like how about we uh play with toys later and focus on the test basically saying that and this is where a bird just randomly decides to suicide dive into a window yeah and then after class charlie decides to be a weird little child and goes and cuts its head off with some scissors and then takes the head home. Yeah. And there's also a weird lady that's just waving at her across the street. Yeah, like outside the school gate and Charlie's just like, uh, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> peace out. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm out. off. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. So this is where Steve comes home from work and Annie's like coming to check on him and she walks past her mum's old bedroom, which the doors just open and we see a triangle embedded in the floor. So Annie asks Steve, did you go into my mum's old room? He's like, no. And they lock it just for good measure. Yeah. And then uh, once Peter gets home from school, their house phone rings and it's the cemetery. So um, Stephen takes the call from there and they tell them that the grave has been um, desecrated and vandalized. We don't learn until later on that the uh, body was actually exhumed from the grave. Um, so he sort of says, you know, I'm not going to tell Annie. She's got enough on her plate at the moment. I'll just sort it out from here. Yeah, and then Annie says, oh, I'm just going to go to the movies when in actual fact she's going to like a grief counselling session, like a group thing. Yeah. I thought of like an AA meeting maybe. But for, but for grief. For grief, yeah. And this is where we find out what her mother was really like and she was a pretty fucked up individual. Yeah, so we find out that they had no relationship whatsoever until Ellen got sick and Annie had to take her in because so when Annie was born around like the time she was a newborn her dad passed away he had depression and he starved himself to death which is really sad and then we also find out that her brother had schizophrenia and he hung himself um, and wrote in his suicide note that uh, he was he blamed Ellen for him killing himself because she was trying to put people inside him. Which is a weird thing to express, but... Yeah. Signs of a cult. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Signs of a cult. So, yeah, you understand why they didn't have a good relationship, but I think Annie's holding it pretty well together considering what she's had to go through in her life. She also explains at this part that she wouldn't let her mother put her hooks into Peter, so she gave him her Charlie. Yeah. And she regrets it and blames herself because she didn't get to hold Charlie as much because her mother was just... Yeah, so 
you get the vibes that Charlie and Annie don't have the best of relationships because she didn't really get to be her mum. Yeah. And the next thing we see is Charlie messing around with the sculpture with the dead bird's head on the on her table. And uh, we finally just see like this beam of light cut across the screen and then like a light reflection on the wall and Charlie just starts to follow it. Yeah. So she walks outside to follow the light sort of through the woods behind their house and it sort of pans up um, to a bird's eye view as she's walking and there's like footsteps sort of um, walking next to her. So it's like she's following someone else's footsteps and while she's, you know, exploring and in like a weird trance, Peter finds out about this party that's happening that night and asks Annie if he can take the car and but he doesn't tell her it's a house party. He just tells her it's a school barbecue. So obviously Annie goes, well, are you taking Charlie? That way she can maybe make more friends. And he goes, look, if she wants to come, she can come. So they go to try find her, but she's not in the house. No, she's outside just staring at this random lady doing a Johnny Cash tribute in a ring of fire. She's just sitting in it like... Just some random lady sitting in a ring of fire. Yeah, it's really strange. So then Annie, of course, goes into mum mode and scolds her for not wearing any shoes and not having a jacket on. Like I'm assuming it's maybe not really winter yet, but maybe like autumn or something or fall in America. Yeah, (laughs) autumn. And um, yeah, she loses her shit at her and forces her to go to a party with Peter and... So the next thing we see is they're driving to the party and we focus on this pole that is kind of foreshadowing something's about to happen. So we get to the party and Peter finds the girl that he was checking out earlier in the movie from school and pulls out a bag of weed and says, do you know where we can smoke this? So she takes him to one of the other rooms and Charlie catches up with him and says, I don't want to be here. And Peter, trying to, we all know it's guys trying to get in he's like there's cake over there go go get a piece and she's like no they're not handing it out to everyone and he's like if you wait there it's a party they'll give you cake yeah so with that distraction he goes in the room to do god knows what with some drugs (laughs) um you're such a mother (laughs) i am (laughs) um with a bunch of random people and the girl that he's trying to get with asks if that's his little sister and he said oh like yeah it is and she goes oh like she was drawing me the other day and she made me look really weird and he goes yeah like that's just charlie that's just who she is and one of the random guys in the room of course being a weird male goes oh is your sister hot (laughs) like no You don't need to say that, you weirdo. So we cut back to Charlie and she's not looking too good. We find out early in the movie she's an anaphylactic and there was nuts in the chocolate cake. So she starts going red straight away. She's mucking around with one of her sculptures again and she cannot breathe. So she goes to find Peter and Peter's just done... Peter's just done a bong and he goes, Oh, what are you doing? And he's like... She's like... um. I can't breathe. And he goes, what do you mean? She's like, I feel like my throat is swelling up. So Peter rushes her to the car and goes, I'll get you to the hospital as soon as I can. And this is where the movie just fucking takes a turn a little bit. Oh, yeah. So Charlie pulls down the window to get some air, hangs her head out. Peter being like the caring brother that he is, is like, I'll get you to the hospital really quick. And sees a dead deer on the road, swerves it and... 
we lose Charlie 32 minutes into this movie when her head collides with the light pole and she is decapitated. Yeah. And this actually happened in real life in 2004. Astor's never mentioned that he took inspiration from this story, but it's pretty accurate. So, yeah, in 2004, um, this guy, John, was driving his friend Frankie home, I'm assuming from a party because Frankie had his head out the window vomiting. Um, And, yeah, something happened and... Frankie's head got decapitated. His head didn't get decapitated. He got decapitated um, by a phone pole. And I think John must have just been in shock. And he just drives home, goes to bed, and some poor random guy the next morning sees the headless body in the car and calls the police. This is how I found out about the movie. There used to be memes of Charlie and the light pole. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no. So this is how I found out about what hereditary was from back the in the memes. day. Yeah, from the good old memes. <laughs> so going back to what you were saying, this is how basically Annie finds Charlie. So Peter drives the car back up, leaves Charlie's decapitated body in the car. Being the caring parents that they are, they hear Peter come back into the house and they're like, oh good. They're back home so we can go back to sleep, basically. Yeah, which I remember my own parents doing this if I ever went out for the night. I feel like everyone's parents do it. Yeah, so, yeah, this kind of pulled on my heartstrings a little bit because I'm like, you don't know what happened. So, cut to next morning. Peter has not slept all night knowing what's happened and Annie's going out to go grab stuff and the next thing we just hear this scream. Like, Annie's just found Charlie in the back seat, headless. And I still stand by this. The fact that Tony Collette, just off this scene alone, was never nominated for an Oscar, Golden Globe, is Anything. a robbery. Because this scene, she is, oh, she's just fucking amazing. Like, she is in tears, screaming, like, I just want to die. Like, life's over. What's the fucking point anymore? And Peter's just in the other room, just listening. Yeah. And so then it cuts to Charlie's funeral. And yeah, everyone's just crying and sobbing. It's just really sad. Like, Tony Collette's acting in this. It just makes me cry every time we watch this part. So we get a scene of Peter back in school and he reimagines Charlie's decapitated body in the rearview mirror, freaks himself out, and then he gets back home and Annie is just staring at him from her car before she drives back to one of those group uh, grief meetings again. And this time she doesn't go in. She goes, no, I'm going home. And this is where we meet Joan, a very suspicious lady. (laughs) And yeah, I didn't trust her from the first minute. (laughs) Yeah, she throws off bad vibes. (laughs) So this is where... Joan catches up with her like, oh, are you here for your mother again? She goes, no, I've just lost my daughter in an accident. She goes, oh, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. She's like, I lost my grandson and my son in a drowning accident. And basically he goes, if you need anyone to talk to, here's my number. Yeah, which was really nice. But yeah, still, again, really weird. But, you know, shit happens. Yeah. And um, so she, the next day she goes to see her and she tells her the whole story of how about everything again and what's happened with Charlie and how her relationship with Peter is obviously not too good. Yeah, so um, it must have been when they were a bit younger because Peter and Charlie used to share a bedroom, but um, Annie used to sleepwalk and she woke up one time from sleepwalking and 
herself and the kids were covered in paint thinner and she had just lit a match. So she was trying to, you know, kill all of them in her sleep and Peter was obviously awake for this and he kind of holds it against her, you know, saying that you tried to kill us and all that sort of stuff. But luckily Annie woke up in time to stop it. Yeah, luckily. And um... so, yeah, once Annie gets home from Joan's house... Um, you know, there's a bit of tension brewing between Stephen and Annie because Stephen just thinks that Annie's just losing it and, like, she just needs to stop and kind of get over it in a way, which I don't think is very nice. Um, and so he says, you know, whenever you're ready, when you're finished, you know, doing whatever you're doing with your modelling, there's dinner on the table downstairs. Come if you want. If you don't, I don't care. Yeah, and this is where the first fight between Annie and Peter really happens and Peter's having a go at Annie and Annie just lets loose on him which go her like honestly Peter's a dick yeah he was saying you know why do you hate me so much and she's like I don't like I'm your mum I love you and he and then you know it just keeps going on and on and on and she goes you know what I could blame you for Charlie's death I could but it's an it was an accident I get that and you know we could have used this as a moment for there are three of us to become closer and all that but obviously that hasn't happened and then instead of Peter taking that in he decides to be an asshole and says oh well you know what I think you killed Charlie you're the one that forced her to go to that party it's on you and Annie just loses it and Stephen finally steps in and just tells her to stop and she goes you know what I'm I've had enough and she just walks away from the dinner table yeah and this is where I feel like Steve's starting to get sick of Annie's shit and he's just becoming a bit of a dick yeah but like yeah she's a grieving mum and she's lost her her own mum as well even though they didn't have a good relationship it's still a sad thing yeah so we cut to Annie picking up art (laughs) supplies and who else but Joan is in the car park what a coinkydink and she tells her about a seance that she had with a medium and how she was skeptical about it but she was like I talked to my grandson and I'll show you how to do it if you come over So obviously Annie goes over, they do the seance and she gets freaked out because her grandson is in there with her and he moves a glass for yes or no questions. He actually even lifts up Annie's hair. Yeah, which makes her freak out, which is fair enough. And then Joan pulls out his chalkboard to write something on it and he writes, I love you, Grandma. And this is where Annie's like, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, which is fair. So then Joan is understand his understanding of it and says, you know, here, here's a candle. Here's the instructions. You need to do this. You need to have your talk with Charlie, which I think is a nice thing because obviously Annie never got to say goodbye. She never got that closure. Yeah. And just before she leaves, um, Joan goes, you never killed her. And Annie's like, what? He goes, she's still out there. And this is where I even get more suspicious of Joan. Yeah. So we cut to Annie's falling asleep and there's like a trail of ants going towards uh, Peter's bed. And they're like infested all over his head. And then Peter wakes up and asks Annie, why are you scared of me? And Annie just drops the ultimate pipe bomb and goes, I never wanted to be your mother. Yeah, which is really a sad thing. And she said, you know, I wasn't ready and, you know, she pressured me and he was like, you know, then why did you have me? And she goes, I tried to stop it by, you know, trying to have a miscarriage, doing everything they told me not to. And then, you know, that's when dream version of Peter is just sobbing and she goes, you know, but I'm so happy it didn't work. Like I, I'm so happy that I'm your mum now and all that sort of stuff. And then it just cuts to them just 
covered in liquid, which I'm assuming is the paint thinner from the earlier sleepwalking part because then a match is lit and then Annie wakes up. Yeah, and this is when she starts to do the seance and it works and she wakes up Peter telling her how sorry she is for everything she said. She wakes up Steve and brings them all down to do the seance and freaks the fuck out of Peter. Like, he starts sobbing. Yeah, he's just not having a good time with it. I don't think he's coping very well at all. No, and who would be? It's pretty... Well, I don't believe in the seances, but I know a lot of people out there do. My mother. <laughs> but that's all right. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I'm a bit sceptical. I personally would not be inviting anyone into my home. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all good. So, yeah, we basically the same thing. With the glass, yes or no questions, it moves and Steve looks under the table to see if it's all bullshit. It's not. He's getting freaked out. Peter's freaking out even more. Yeah. And then they start bickering and arguing and then a glass window breaks behind them and we cut back to the candles out. Then it just shoots up in the air with flames and Annie starts making a weird ground noise. Yeah, and then... She starts talking in Charlie's voice and saying, like, where's mum? What's happening? I'm scared. And, like, why are you scaring me? And obviously this freaks Peter out. And Stephen's like, you need to stop. And it's just a weird situation. And then Stephen actually throws a glass of water on Annie and that snaps her out of the possession. So the next day, I'd say next day, uh, Annie gets a call from the gallery Fun fact, bloke's name's Patrick. Crazy. I'm always like a side character or something in movies. <laughs> like I'm never a full... Main character. No, I think the only movie I'm a full character in is Scooby-Doo 2. <laughs> and I think I was a dick in There's Something About Mary. Yeah, sounds about right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> back to this movie. So, yeah, she gets the call from the gallery asking them... Does she need an extension? Does she need help? And she just loses it and destroys all of her work. Yeah, so I think that she's finally hit her breaking point, which I would have done it way, way sooner. Oh, same here. <laughs> There's so much shit going on. I'd, I'd be done. <laughs> so Steve walks in to find all of Annie's work destroyed and her sitting on the floor. He asks what happened. She basically just says, I'm done with it. I'm over everything. And we hear some scribbling in the distance coming from Charlie's room and Annie walks in and it's just Charlie turning pages and drawing pictures. Yeah, well, we think. It's... Oh, we think, yeah. <laughs> and this is where Peter wakes up to a tongue click in his room and Charlie is just standing in the corner. Yeah, and he's like, oh, my God, like, Charlie, are you okay? Like, is that really you? And then a bloody head falls off and rolls along <laughs> the ground and turns into a bloody basketball or something. Harry Astor just been a horror genius, honestly, because that freaked the hell out of me. Yeah, I was not ready for that. And this is where the dog also starts barking at him. He's going like, what the hell's going on? And then two random heads, hands just come from behind and pull his head like like they want to rip his head off. Yeah, so this movie's got some weird things with uh, heads and decapitation. Yeah, and this is where Peter freaks out because Annie just appears and he's like, it was you, you were the one doing it. Yeah, and she's like, no, like I heard screaming and I came up to try like try save you and Peter's still holding on about the attempted murder from years ago and he's like, no, like you're trying to kill me, it was all you. And, and then this is where we get a close-up of what the drawings are in the book and it's Peter. 
with tears in his eyes, but crosses over him as well. Yeah, and yeah, every single drawing is of Peter. There's probably about 20 in that little sketchbook. So Annie attempts to throw the book in the fire, and as she does that, she herself gets lit on fire just on her arm. Yeah, so she realised she has this physical connection with this book, so she has to grab it out of the fire to stop herself from being on fire. One thing that we've forgotten to mention, there is like a pulse-like music every time and it feels like you know it's going to get intense but this is where it just picks up the pace and we know we're finally into like our third act of this movie because shit is starting to hit the fan. Yeah. So Annie goes to Joan's house because she needs an explanation on how to stop this because she just says, you know, it's my fault that this entity has entered our home. So she's gone to Joan for answers. She needs to figure out how to stop this. And this is where we get a shot of the camera panning back with Annie outside just knocking on the door like, are you there, Joan? Are you there? And we see her table, same triangle triangle that was carved into her mother's floor is on Joan's table with a picture of Peter with his eyes pulled out. Yeah, it's really, really creepy. And this is where Annie looks down at the doormat and realises... Holy shit, my mother makes ones like these. Yeah, and also in the corners of the doormat is the same little symbol that was on Ellen's necklace in the casket. Yeah, and this is where we cut to Peter. He's at school looking depressed as shit. Fair. And we hear this random woman just calling out to her, turn the camera. It's fucking Joan. Yeah, and she's starting to put some weird spell or hex on him and is saying, like, I expel you from your body and, like, says all these weird words that are not English whatsoever. We're also cutting to Annie going back to her house and finding a book with the symbol that we saw on the necklace at the start of the movie. And we open it and we find out who King Payman is. Yeah, so I like to call this the uh, the little cult Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, basically it's got highlighted this scripture about who King Payman is. So he's the God of mischief and is talking about a ritual. So it says when successfully invoked, King Payman will possess the most vulnerable host. Only when the ritual is complete, will King Payman be locked into his ordained host. Once locked in, a new ritual is required to unlock the possession. And it also mentions that it needs to be a male host. Yeah, saying like he is stronger in a male host. Yeah. So obviously Annie freaks out. She goes into her attic and as soon as she opens the door, flies just are coming out and it smells. She goes upstairs and we see like this decaying body that's headless just laying in her attic with the symbol in blood on the roof. Yeah. So she obviously freaks out and just gets the heck out of the house. And while she's doing this, we go back to Peter at school and... uh, He hears that bloody tongue click again. Yeah. And then it just, if you've seen Stranger Things, he gets a bit vecnered and his face is just distorted and his teacher is like, Peter, are you okay? And everyone sort of starts to look at him and he just slams his face into the desk. (laughs) Fun fact, the actor Alex Wolfe actually wanted to break his nose in this scene. Like he's like, I'll do it. And Ari Aster was like, no, you don't have to. But Only the top half of the desk was made of foam. The bottom half wasn't. So when he did it, he actually fractured his jaw. So we now cut to Steve's getting a phone call from the high school saying, Peter's broken his nose. He's freaking out. You're going to have to come pick him up. And Annie is just outside in the rain chilling because, yeah, I'd be the same. I'm not going back into my house. No. 
And also um, while he's on this phone call, we go to his emails where he got an email from the uh, cemetery where Ellen's body was buried and is yeah saying that she was exhumed basically and it has photos from the grave and he's he just leaves to go get Peter. Yeah. And we cut to Steve in the car driving with Peter and he just breaks down in tears. Like he is completely done. Yeah. Which is also kind of fair enough because I feel like he's been trying to be the one to hold it together for the family since the start. So it's finally his turn to have a moment. This family's broken. Like it's broken. And you kind of get the feeling that Annie is now the outsider. Like Steve's trying to protect Peter. Peter doesn't know what the hell's going on and Annie is the outsider. So we get to Steve coming back to the house with Peter and he's like, I've got to tell you something. I've got to tell you something. And sees Peter and like, what happened to him? Like what happened? And he's like, he broke his nose at school. He did it to himself. So they get him up to his bed, make sure he's all right. And Annie goes, you need to go into the attic because there's a body up there and I think it's my mother's. Yeah, so while he's trying to open up the attic latch, she also says, like, there's more. And Stephen is just being an ass at this point, and he goes, oh, you mean more than your mother's headless body? Like, of course. Of course there's something more, which was not necessary. What an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but you got to put yourself in his shoes. Like, he's just seen his wife go crazy. Yeah, but then, like, help her out. Yeah, fair enough. Fair point. So this is, he comes down, he goes, what the fuck, what the like, how's that there? Like, what is going on? And Annie's trying to tell him that Joan's been, knows he's her mother the whole time. And he's, she's trying to explain it, but Steve's not listening. He goes, this is all you. Like, this is your problem. This is your fault. This is happening. Yeah. And he also is like, it was you who took her body from the grave. It's been you all along that's making all this mess. And she's trying, no, 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 it's not me. He's like, all the times you went to the movies... This is what you were really doing. And he's just lost faith in Annie. Yeah. So then Annie basically, they're in front of their fireplace at this point and Annie has the book and says, you need to throw it in the fire. Like, we need to stop this. We need to end all of this mess. You need to do it. And she, you know, says like, I love you so much and I love Peter. And this is the first time we where we see them be intimate like this. Yeah. Like this whole movie, once it has that depressing tone set in, does not go away from it. Like you're in for a depressing ride. Yeah. And then, you know, you think he's about to throw it in, but he goes, I'm not feeding into your crazy anymore. I'm done. And she goes, no, like you have to. And then he's like, no, no, no. So she just snatches it off him, throws it in the fire herself, thinking that she's just going to fully go up in flames now. She's like, I don't care. This just needs to end. If I have to die, I have to die. But instead of Annie going up in flames... Stephen does. Yeah, which is mind-blowing. And Annie is just looking at him in distress and that beam of light comes back and... Possesses her. Possesses Annie. So this is where I start to... Like, I really enjoy this ending. I really, really do. This is where Peter wakes up and he's calling for his mum and his dad and Annie... He's doing her best Peter Parker impression, just chilling up in the corner, being a demon and shit. (laughs) And it gets creepier when we get the close-up of Peter and he's still calling out to his mum and dad. And she just, like, crawls away in the background. Yeah, and I actually didn't even see her the first time that we watched this movie until you pointed it out to me because I was like, oh, yeah, and you're like, ah, what is that? And I was like, what are you talking about? And you're like, oh, my God. She's in the corner. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> yeah. how I basically <laughs> described it to you. I had to rewind it to let you know that she was there. <laughs> so Peter comes downstairs 
And this is where he gets to the fireplace and sees his dad's burnt up body and Annie again, just chilling in the corner, just doing whatever. And we hear the floorboards creak and this is where I thought, okay, he's going to find Annie. But no, that creepy dude from the funeral is just in the doorway, rocking with his cock out and just a smile brighter than what my future will ever be. Yeah, it's really creepy. And then you hear this thud. So Peter looks behind him. But Annie's not in that corner up the top anymore. So then he turns back around and she's in the corner in front of him and she just screams and runs at him, which scares the shit out of me every time we watch this movie. So when we watched it to, you know, write all our notes, like I screamed and poor Lotus was asleep and I scared her. And she came up to me like checking to make sure I was okay, which I thought was really cute, but I felt so bad. And then I just laughed at myself afterwards for being an idiot. And you paused it at the perfect (laughs) moment because I laughed at this because Annie and Peter just eat shit trying to run away from each other. Yeah. And Peter gets into the attic and he's like screaming, mum, please stop. Like he even says mummy. Like he is like, please stop. And we cut to Annie just on her fours on the roof, just pelting her head into the attic door, which makes me cringe every time I see it. Yeah, it's it's a rough little scene. So then it stops, all the banging stops, and Peter turns around. Behind him, obviously, another naked cult member. Something about this cult and being naked, don't know. <laughs> Looks like it's the middle of winter. Yeah, the poor, like, titties and man bits are going to freeze off. <laughs> Couldn't even say penis. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where he finds, like, a candle mirage, I would say. Yeah, it's like um, like an outline around the body because it's not actually there anymore, the the headless body's just disappeared. And it, there's a photo of him with his eyes cut out and he thinks this is all just a nightmare. So he's like, Peter, wake up. Like, just wake up. And he starts slapping himself in the face. And this is where we hear this soaring and squelching of, like, flesh being cut. And we look up and Annie is just looking straight into Peter's eyes as she's cutting her own head off with piano wire. Yeah, it's it's rough. And she sort of gets faster as she's doing it and then there's this weird ding sort of noise and it snaps Peter out of staring at his mum and he looks in front of him and there's three more naked cult members. And he freaks himself out and throws himself out the window. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I'd just be like, I just need to get out of here as soon as I possibly can. Not even get out. He, like, tries to kill himself. That too. So we still hear Annie going at it. And then it just all of a sudden stops and we hear this thud and like a roll, just basically her head hitting the ground, which, oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. me. It's, it's hard to hear. And then we just see Peter's lifeless body on the ground for a little while until that beam of light again comes in and Peter is finally possessed because he's vulnerable. Yeah. And so he's in a trance at this point and he starts to walk up to the treehouse following the floating headless body of Annie up to the treehouse. And we see more naked cult members. Like, it's a lot. And they're all sort of bowing to this sculpture thing that uh, has Charlie's uh, rotten, decayed, dead head. And we've also got Alan's decapitated body and Annie's decapitated body just bowing down to it as well. And when Joan gets up, takes the crown off the sculpture and puts it on Peter, the bodies turn around. So now they're going to be bowing to him. 
And this is where we learn that Charlie's back. It's not Peter anymore. Yeah, so they whatever ritual they've done to bring out King Payman, they've put Charlie's being. I say spirit, yeah, being spirit. Into Peter's body because Peter's the male. And it makes sense as to why her grandmother was always so obsessed with her. Yeah. Like imagine if she did get her hands on Peter, it would just be Peter. But it's even more mind-blowing that... It's Charlie and Peter's body as King Payman. Yeah. So Joan goes on her little spiel about how King Payman's like one of the eight uh, gods of hell. Eight kings. Eight kings, sorry. Eight kings. (laughs) He's the god of mischief. Yeah. And then they all just scream out, hail Payman, as the camera just cuts back and we see them in the treehouse and movie ends. That's it. Just no happy moment, no nothing. Just depressing yeah and just an uncomfortable feeling and i'll say it again the fact that tony collette Mm -hmm. was not even mentioned in any awards for this blows my mind i think she was in fangoria's chainsaw awards which is like a massive horror award show yeah they're always gonna do that but she should have won an oscar for this yeah just the acting is amazing it is and millie shapiro she's great alex wolf like they're all amazing amazing i cannot fault anyone for anything yeah this is definitely one of my top five horror movies i reckon it's it's one of my favorite just movies do you want to hear something funny Mm -hmm. that happened in our own little backyard here in australia in western australia in a little town called inaloo there was a screening of peter rabbit and the cinema accidentally put Hereditary no. trailer on before the movie. So all the families rushed out so the kids couldn't be traumatized. Those poor kids. Oh, my gosh. I just can't believe that happened. That's a bit funny. <laughs> I mean, it is a little bit, but oh, my gosh. So those poor parents and children. You're thinking you're going to get other little kid, kid movie trailers. You're going to plan your next family outing. And you just get Hereditary instead. Yeah. Just. Images of Charlie about to be hit by that pole. Oh, gosh. I still can't believe it wasn't me back in the day. Yeah. And that's hereditary. You got anything else to add about it? No, we just really appreciate everyone's support and we can't wait to for more feedback about how we went this time. Yeah, we're still learning as we go on. Like, we haven't changed up the setup a bit. We're off one microphone now. Yeah, we're all snuggled up next to each other. Oh, stop it. <laughs> People are going to cringe at that. Oh, well. That's us anyway. You can fi- you can tell us at, on Instagram at, <laughs> at por- uh, sorry, at Better Watch Horror Pod. You can tell us how cringy we are. Yeah. We also have uh, a Twitter, uh, official BWH pod. And we also have an email address if you want to send through recommendations or requests for any movies or true crime stories you want us to cover. Um, and that's betterwatchhorrorpod at gmail.com. And that's it from us. Thank you again for listening. Yep. We will see you next week. This has been the Better Watch Horror Podcast. Bye. Bye.